If you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of Romans. We'll uh, start in Romans chapter 1, so you can turn to Romans chapter 1, but we'll turn to 15 before we know it. Just to follow up on one of the announcements that Mike gave, Redeemer 101, this Tuesday night from 6 to 8 o'clock. If you've recently been visiting Redeemer and would like to hear more about our church, maybe you're even considering becoming a member. Redeemer 101 is the place to be, and I will be there, Lord willing, and look forward to telling you more about Redeemer's history, our doctrine, our ministries, our leadership, and answer any questions that you've got as you begin to think about the possibility of making Redeemer your home. So it's this Tuesday night from 6 to 8 o'clock. We would love for you to sign up at RedeemerCommunity.life so we can be prepared with dinner and with any child care that you might need. We've been going through the book of Nehemiah. We'll return to that next week. But this has been a weekend of missions. We've had four of our partners with us, Daniel and Ivona Eifling, uh, Brian and Joe Halila, Chris and Jamie Whaley, who are, Lord willing, on their way to, um, to Italy. You may remember several weeks ago we had them up here and we were sending them off, ready to, uh, to uh, jump on a boat in January, on January 3rd. Well, because of COVID, that boat got canceled. And so they will still be with us and, Lord willing, head out in March. And then Scott and Robin Ulrich we're with us as well. Of course, Scott not feeling so well, so Robin has uh, filled in for him wonderfully. They were with us yesterday morning. They were with us this morning in our Sunday school classes. And tonight from 5 to 6 o'clock when we gather as a church family to pray, we will be praying not only for those four families, but for many, many more families, missions partners that we support. So if you will, join us tonight from 5 to 6 o'clock. The book of Romans, Paul wrote it from Corinthian, from Corinth to Rome to a church that he had never been to before. He had not planted this church. He had not ever been there. But for a long time, he had hoped to go. If you're in chapter 1, look at verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. The faith of the Roman Christians, their faith in Jesus Christ and their obedience to him uh, had been proclaimed throughout the whole world, throughout that first century Mediterranean world. The rumors of their faith and obedience to Jesus Christ had spread. And Paul was thankful for that. Verse 9, for God whom I serve in my spirit and the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I love that verse. Paul says, I want to come and see you. I've been praying that God would make it possible for me to come and see you because I want to impart some spiritual gift to you to establish you. But really, in fact, 
I want to be encouraged together with you, each of us by the other's faith. Love that, because discipleship and growth in the Christian life is a, is a two-way street, right? When we get together with other believers and we hear what God is doing in their life, it's such an encouragement to us. And as they hear what God is teaching us, it's an encouragement to them. Verse 13. I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So Paul over and over again says, I want to come and see you. But he mentions that he's been prevented so far. For all of my efforts and all of my longing to come and be with you, I've been prevented. It's not until the end of the book, almost, chapter 15, that we find out what prevented Paul from going to Rome. What was it that kept him from going to Rome? Look at Romans 15, verse 14 is where we'll begin. And as we make our way through a handful of these verses, I just want to share with you, since this is a month of prayer for us, this month of January, two prayer requests and one praise. Verse 14 Concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able also to admonish one another. Even though Paul had not planted this church, he was convinced of their spiritual giftedness and their maturity in Christ. You're full of goodness, filled with knowledge, able to admonish one another. In verse 15, but... I have written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again. So he has in mind all that he has written in the book of Romans and maybe from chapter 12 until this point where he began to encourage them to live out their Christian faith. I've written to you very boldly on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Paul's calling, in particular, was to be an apostle to the Gentiles. There are the Jews, and then everybody else, the Gentiles. And Paul had been called especially to the Gentiles. Ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit. And here we go. So that from Jerusalem and roundabout as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, 
so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. But now with no further place for me in these these regions, and since I have for many years a longing to come to you whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on you, to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. The first prayer is this. Lord, please help Redeemer fulfill her local purpose. Paul says, look at that phrase, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Now, I should have put a map up here for you, but he says, from Jerusalem to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. That includes Paul's first missionary journey, second missionary journey, third missionary journey on which, during which he's writing this book of Romans. From Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. What in the world could he mean? Because there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, multiple tens of thousands of people between Jerusalem and Illyricum who had not heard the gospel and who needed to hear the gospel. How could Paul say, I have fully preached the gospel? Some of you have heard me share these quotes before, but here's a handful of Bible scholars and what they say about that phrase. There are three things that Paul has in view when he makes that statement. Number one, he had started strong churches. Number two, the churches were in strategic centers. Number three, the churches would accept responsibility for their region. That's P.T. O'Brien. What does Paul mean when he says he's fully preached the gospel from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum? It means that he's planted churches in strategic centers and those churches would take responsibility for the surrounding area. Everett Harrison, the statement, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ is not intended to mean that he had preached in every community between the two points mentioned, but that he had faithfully preached the message in the major communities along the way, leaving to his converts the more intensified evangelizing of surrounding districts. Douglas Moo. Paul claims that he has brought to completion in the regions designated, Jerusalem to Illyricum, his own special apostolic task of planting strategic churches. As Knox puts it, he could say that he had completed the preaching of the gospel from Jerusalem to Illyricum only because this statement would have meant for him that the message had been proclaimed the church, and the church planted in each of the nations north and west across Asia Minor and the Greek Peninsula, proclaimed widely enough and planted firmly enough to assure the name of Christ would soon be heard throughout its borders. John Stott. This does not, of course, mean that Paul had saturated the whole area with the gospel, as we might say today. 
His strategy was to evangelize the populous and influential cities, plant churches there, and then leave to others the radiation of the gospel into the surrounding villages. And finally, Dave Harvey. So what is the strategy for the completed Great Commission from Romans 15? It is apostolic ministry of planting strategic churches and then those local churches mobilized to penetrate their region. So what is the implication for Redeemer Community Church? Why is it that in eternity past, God dreamed up this local church? And in 1998, with a handful of faith-filled believers, planted this church in this part of the world. Does God not expect us, and now I'm going to use, to, to accept responsibility for this part of the world? Does God not want us to be about the more intensified evangelizing of surrounding districts? Does God not want through this local church to proclaim the name of Christ so it will be heard throughout its borders? Does God not want the radiation of the gospel to go out into the surrounding neighborhoods? Does God not want to mobilize this local church to penetrate their region? It seems to me if these brothers are right, Redeemer Community Church was planted by God with the understanding that the men and women, boys and girls that make up this body of Christ would accept responsibility for the evangelizing of the surrounding area. That's why as we're praying, next Monday the 24th, own the lostness. God, give us a holy burden for the lostness that surrounds us. Help us see and feel as you see and feel about every man, woman, and child around Redeemer. Help us take responsibility to make the gospel accessible to them all. And then on Monday the 25th, from the growing burden and sense of responsibility, help us to be intentional, creative, bold, and faithful in personal and corporate evangelism at Redeemer. Make us a joy-filled, gospel-sharing, and people-inviting church. It's now time to, if you will, start signing up for Awaken West Houston. I've been telling you about it for about a month. We are joining with other churches across Katy in the month of March to pray and fast as God will lead you for every household by name in our city. Lord willing, 5,500 believers here in Katy will be raised up and each of those believers will say, yes, I will pray and fast as God leads me throughout the month of March, from March 2nd to the 31st, for 17 households in our city. 
the churches that I've been working with, there's about 18 churches that are in on Awaken West Houston. And by us just saying, I, I think God would raise up this many for my church. I think God would raise up this many for my church. We think we're at about 4,000 believers right now. Will we get to 5,500 believers between now and then? Who knows? What if we don't? That's okay. Can you imagine 4,000 believers in Katy, each praying for 17 households by name? We're talking tens of thousands of households being prayed for by name, representing over 300,000 people. If you're willing to do that, if you're willing to say, yes, give me 17 names, I'll pray for them in the month of March. I need you to go to redeemercommunity.life and flip through there until you find Awaken West Houston. And then sign up. And in the coming weeks, you'll hear more and we'll be getting some tools into your hands. And then from March 2nd to March 31st, believers all over this city are going to be praying and fasting, Lord willing, for 93,500 households in our city, which represents about 325,000 people. Let's do it. Let's pray for every man, woman, and child in our city. And let's see what God might do. Lord, please help Redeemer fulfill her local purpose. Number two, Lord, please raise up more missionaries. Careful. Especially pioneer missionaries from Redeemer. That phrase from Paul in verse 20. Thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. Paul, you've been wanting to go to Rome for a long time, praying about it diligently for a long time, but you say you were prevented. What prevented you? Well, from Jerusalem to Illyricum, I had a lot of work to do. I was planting churches where Christ had not been named. But I'm done here now. There's, there no longer remains any, any work for me here now. So now I want to go to Rome so I can go to Spain because I want to preach Christ where he is not named. We would say he is after the unreached and unengaged people groups in the world. Here's the way missiologists describe and define an unreached people group. A people group is unreached when the number of evangelical Christians is less than 2% of its population. You say, well, what's an evangelical? I, I hear that. What's an evangelical? There's lots of definitions. I like kind of the traditional one. An evangelical Christian is someone who believes that God is there, that God created everything, that he's Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that his word is true, that we are lost without him, that he sent Jesus Christ to live and die and rise again, and that a person is saved 
by turning away from themselves and putting their trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, to be reconciled to God, to be made a part of his family, and to be given eternal life. That's what an evangelical Christian is. One who believes in God, Father, Son, and Spirit, who believes that the Bible is the Word of God, who believes that Jesus is the Son of God who lived and died and rose again, and that a person is made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So people group is unreached when the number of evangelical Christians is less than 2% of its population. In addition to that, missiologists will talk about unengaged. So not only do we have an unreached people group, but on top of that, there are unreached, unengaged It is further called unengaged when there is no church planting strategy consistent with evangelical faith and practice underway. So you might have a people group that has has 1% evangelical Christian in it, and that 1% is praying and strategizing about how how can we continue to plant the gospel here Unengaged is when there's there's no Christians there. There's no church there. And there's nobody on earth who is going there. It's not only unreached, but it's unengaged. Paul was seemingly the kind of missionary who said, that's where I want to go. I want to go where Christ has not been named. Quoting from John Piper here, from 2017, preaching on this text. Those of you who know Piper, know of him, you, you can imagine him saying this kind of thing. That's crazy! I have no room for work here. And he's talking about from Jerusalem to Illyricum. I have no more room here. I mean, he left behind Titus and Timothy as pastors of churches, plus all the other pastors he appointed in other churches. And he wrote and he said, do the work of an evangelist. Timothy, Titus. Why? There's thousands of lost people in this region. Thousands and thousands of lost people in Asia, Bithynia, and Cappadocia. There's thousands and thousands of lost people. There's thousands of lost people. And Paul says, I have no room here. Why? Because Timothy and Titus and others were, were leading these churches. And those believers would take responsibility to, to share the gospel throughout their regions. But for him, he says, I have no more room. Piper goes on. Now, there's a real simple explanation. There is such a thing as a missionary. And you've got to be careful with this, but you'll see where Piper's going. There is such a thing as a missionary. Don't ever call everybody in your church a missionary. And I've done that. We're all missionaries. You've got to be careful. Piper goes on. Or if you have to, Think of a new name for this. If if we're going to call everybody a missionary here, 
Hey, we're all on mission with Jesus. We've all been entrusted with the gospel, and we are all meant to share the gospel. Wherever we live, work, and play, we're all on mission. We're missionaries. If we're going to use that language, we, we got to come up with a different name for this. And so Paul says, or if you have to, think of a new name for this, like pioneer missionary or frontier missionary. If you're going to be faithful to the Bible, like Paul saying, I have no room for here. Spain, right? We're Spain, Spain, zero, zero witness in Spain. That's my calling, Paul says. What do you call that? I call it a missionary. Or you can call it a frontier missionary or a pioneer missionary. Just raise up some of them. Teach the people about this because, frankly, I don't know any, any way the Great Commission today can be finished without God continuing to do what he did here by burdening Paul types. He goes on, there are Timothy types who left his hometown of Lystra and went over to Ephesus to spend the rest of his life probably. Call that a missionary if you want, but then there are Paul types who say, okay, I think Timothy can do this. He can evangelize along with his church, these 50,000 people. I'm gone, I'm going to Spain. And Piper finishes, carry a burden for that, carry a torch for that. Believe that in your church, somebody is going to get that calling. Because if you believe that, pray that, exhort that, guess what? Your budget's going to go up in missions because they're going to want to go. And they're going to blame you for it and they're going to ask for money. And that's wonderful. There are over 3,000 unreached unengaged people groups still in the world. No Christians there. No church there. No gospel witness there. Nobody knows Jesus. And nobody has any plans to take the gospel to them. They're not only unreached, but they're unengaged. And here's the kicker. Most of them are in some of the harder places in the world to go. Lord, would you help us fulfill our local responsibility? You planted Redeemer Community Church over 20 years ago to accept and bear responsibility for evangelization in this city. But Lord, would you also raise up pioneer missionaries from Redeemer with a heart like this that says, I want to preach Christ where he has not been named. I want to go to the unreached, unengaged peoples of the world. And then finally, so there's two prayer requests and then a praise. Lord, thank you for the mission's generosity of Redeemer. Verse 22, for this reason, I've often been prevented from coming to you. What reason again, Paul? Because I had work to do from Jerusalem to Illyricum. I, there were churches to be planted who would take responsibility. That's the reason why I haven't been able to come to you yet. But now, 
with no further place for me in these regions, and since I have for many years a longing to come to you whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I had first enjoyed your company for a while. My work here's done, so now I can come to see you. But remember, in Paul's mind, there's already a church there And so Paul says, I want to spend some time with you. It'll be wonderful. But really, I want to be helped by you as I go further to Spain. And let's just remind ourselves, when, when when we just said, Lord, would you please raise up some pioneer missionaries from Redeemer? Probably most of you older folks are saying, yeah, Lord, raise up the young'uns. Paul's writing this in 57 AD. Most people think he's a contemporary of Jesus. So, don't want to blow your categories here. Jesus was was not born in 0 AD. He he was actually born between probably 5 or 6 BC. They got the calendar mixed up later. Paul could be in his late 50s, maybe even his mid-60s. And he says, I'm going to Rome so I can go to Spain so I can preach Christ where he hasn't already been named. But he says, verse 24, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you. What does this help mean? Well, the commentators say a handful of things. It certainly means their good wishes. He, he wants to visit with them, and then as he's on his way, he, he's hopeful that they would wave goodbye. May God bless you, Paul. He wants their good wishes. He wants their prayers. He wants them to not only say, may God bless you, but to continue earnestly in praying for him and for his work there. Many believe that he also is hopeful maybe for accompaniment, that the Roman church would send some folks with him who maybe have have been to Spain and who know the lay of the land maybe a little bit more than Paul. He's never been there. And so maybe these, some of these folks who live in Spain or in Rome, maybe, maybe they've spent some time in Spain and maybe some of the believers will want to go with him. But then certainly also financial support. Paul wants Rome to become a base of operations for him to take the gospel further to Spain and then, and then probably at some point to come back to Rome and then take the gospel elsewhere, probably further north into Europe. He wants it to become the next base of operations for missionary activity. So he's wanting them to help him. And so we could turn this into a prayer request, but let's just turn it into a praise to again say, Lord, thank you for the mission's generosity of Redeemer. Just again to say thank you, Redeemer Community Church, for your generosity to give to missions like you do. We said it last week, meant to send it out in email this week, but forgot to. In the month of December, 
just give you both of the numbers again. You all gave $190,000 to our operating budget, which was huge because it helped us catch up and puts us in a little bit good position as we head into the spring. So thank you for that. Our monthly budget's about $88,000, and so you all more than doubled in December. But in addition to that, you gave $65,000 to World Missions, the most ever to World Missions that's been given in the month of December. Add on to that the over $60,000 that's in our budget to go to missions. We have given you all, we have given over 10% of our budget to World Missions this year, which is a really cool deal. Along with our missions team that stays in touch with our missionaries and continually prays for our missionaries, I'd like to think, praise God, that our missions partners are helped on their way by us. Tonight, we're going to be praying for all of our missions partners, not just the four that were with us this weekend, but the Skibas in Poland. And Dwight and Patty Smith, who work in various locations in the Middle East, in India, in Bangkok, and Cuba, all over the world. For Greg and Beth Ann Carlson in the Pacific area of Vanuatu and Papua New Guinea and those kind of places. For the Widden sisters in Asia. For, there's the Eiflings and the Ulrichs. Brian, for Dwight and Melissa Ruley in Morocco, for Nathan and Tina Keller in Taiwan, for David and Sarah Komenik in Poland. We're going to be praying for all of our missions partners, and we're going to be praying for the Kvarshin. And some of you say, who's the Kvarshin? Several years ago, we adopted an unreached, unengaged people group called the Kvarshin who are located in the Caucasus region of Russia. They're unreached. And unengaged. We've committed to pray for that people group. And our missions team does a good job of staying on top of that. And Brian, I'm sorry, we need to do better as a church praying for the Kvarshin. Tonight, we're going to pray for the Kvarshin. Would you come? Lord, would you help us to fulfill our purpose here in Katy? Lord, would you raise up from among us those who would go and take the gospel to the places where Christ has not yet been named? And Lord, thank you for the generosity of this church in gospel ministry all around the world. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us to feel a sense of burden and ownership for the lostness in Katie. Tens and tens and tens of thousands of people who are far from God, who do not know 
of the grace and the mercy and the kindness of Christ. Burden us with it. Give us a sense of ownership of it. And then from that, Lord, give us great boldness and faith and creativity to make the gospel accessible to the men, women, and children who live in our city. And Lord, over 3,000 unreached, unengaged people groups still Would you raise up from among us people who will go with a heart and a passion like Paul? I want to preach Christ where he has not been named. And oh Lord, what would that take? You can do it. You can do it in a moment. Would you? Lord, thank you for the generosity of these people, for the missions that we support around the world. Lord, give us a privilege of more. And Father, if there's any here today who themselves have really never come to grips with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, might you help them in this moment understand the good news that God is immeasurably great but they have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of their sin is death and eternal separation from God and that there's nothing they can do in and of themselves to fix it. But you have done it all. Because of your great love and mercy and kindness towards sinners, you have sent your Son Jesus Christ into the world to live a holy and godly and righteous life that they could not live, to die upon a cross to pay the penalty for their sins, and then to rise victoriously from the grave. And from heaven's glory to now offer to them the free gift of the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation to God and the promise of eternal life. Lord, help them to see the grace of God, the love of God and the mercy of God and help them to see that forgiveness and salvation is a gift from the Lord. It's not something they deserve. It's not something they earn. It is freely given to those who will turn in repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Draw them even now to put their hope, to put their trust in him. And we will pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.